Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 143, episode 2 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, fuck Fox News, fuck Rush Limbaugh, uh, fuck Buck uh, Sexton, fuck Ben Shapiro, uh, Rowling. Rowling, rolling, 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 what? Bowling, 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 in honor oh. of today's guest, a little Uh-oh. sneak peek. That's sneak what we call peek. a tease in the biz. A little uh, Anne Bolin action. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> oh, that's a good AKA. I was trying to come up with some. Uh, <laughs> it's Tuesday, July 21st. 21st. Uh, 2020, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Baha, 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 cool blast. Baha, baha, cool blast. Everything I host is like the podcast host. Cook, book, Jack O.B. from Crack with Baja Blast. Caffeine's got me shook. How you like O'Brien, bruh? Thighs are out and shining, bruh. About to turn my mic on up. Wait, I'm not recording. Shit. Uh, that is courtesy of Christy Yamaguchi Man, and I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Mm. Miles Gray. Mm. What it is, Cove? What's up? What's up? Can a player get test results? Results swap your brain like it ain't even hurt. Don't cry, just get some dessert. Just get your number and they'll call and make sure to steer clear of the mall. Stay at home, just play with your dogs. Going crazy, staring at four walls. Okay, shout out to Trillville. Ooh. Shout out to uh, at Anna Claire Hodge. I believe that's this above all to thine own self. Trill, I believe, is your uh, IG handle, if I recall correctly. And then if I go even further back, when we were at Podcast Movement, uh, the homeboy who was like selling like uh, microphone accessories was like, "Hey, my friend Anna, Zeitgeist, can I get a video?" Uh, and it all comes together. So shout out to you. Shout out to Trill. And Miles, we are thrilled mm. to be joined once again yeah. by the man, the myth, the legend, legend in the game, the host of Ridiculous History, uh, many a podcast on our network. He is Mr. Ben Smokin' Bolin, <laughs> aka oh, yes. Ann Bolin, Ban Bolin. Yes. Uh, what's up, man? <laughs> Oh man, you you know, uh, third time around feels good to be back. Uh, yeah. You guys are a sight for sore eyes. I feel oh, like, thanks, uh, hey, thank you. I feel like uh, a lot of us can agree. Uh, peek behind the scenes, uh, we might not always be appearing on each other's shows, but uh, as Miles and Jack point out before we roll today, we pretty much see each other every Tuesday on yeah. a, a, a ridiculously. Thursday. Thursday. That's right. Yeah. That's the wow. One. We're losing yeah, time dilation. Ben is God. the face of the uh, executive producers meeting uh, in the podcast division. Uh, he's always like, for some reason, uh, he's just pinned to the top left. He has that real estate staked out, real estate uh, out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's great to, we, we, we get to just kind of see See his spit takes every time there's a new mm-hmm. announcement. He really hams it I up. Said, it's great. I said I'm sorry, Jack. All right, <laughs> it was in my contract. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I fucked up. Okay, I know. I know. At one time when uh, they announced a new show and you fell backwards out of your seat, uh, that was amazing <laughs> oh, yeah. physical comedy. Ben, 
We're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. But first, we like to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. First, we're going to be talking to Robert Evans uh, in Act Two of the show about you know what he's witnessed on the streets of Portland these past, uh, you know, he's been out there most nights of the uh, 55, 56 consecutive nights of uprising on the streets of Portland uh, where the president uh, has just sent federal troops to kind of enforce his will and, uh, yeah, basically sort of using Portland as a test kitchen for a civil war. Um, so we're going to talk about Robert, who's been witnessing that firsthand. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, Netflix shows that we promised we would watch and review for you guys. Uh, they, uh, I watched Old Gu- The Old Guard with Charlize Theron. Uh, and uh, when that was, I picked that when that was number one on Netflix. And then Miles, uh, you picked the Fatal Affair. Is oh that what it's my God! Yeah, baby. <laughs> Which has been Omar number Epps. one ever since you picked it. So I have to assume. That's oh, it's number the, one. That's the Zeitgeist bump. Yeah, it was hey, number one all, all weekend. See what so. happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you just mentioned that two stars who were massive in the '90s are on a Netflix thing, and then it does the work for itself. Nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But yeah. So Fatal. It's not Fatal Attraction. That's a different movie, right? It's a Fatal Affair, I think. Um, but that's uh, so we'll talk about that, and also just uh, generally uh, the the overall Netflix stats. I just want to point out, Miles stormed out when you said Fatal Attraction. Yeah, fatal that it affair. wasn't Fatal because he oh, yeah, thought I it did, was I... Fatal Attraction <laughs> and had watched that. And then when I said it was Fatal Affair, he stormed off to watch it. He has watched back. it uh, on super fast motion. Now he's back. Four thousand X. Took him five seconds, but he's uh, he's Matrix braining that shit. Just direct upload. Um, all of that, plenty more. But first, Ben, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? Oh man, uh, I th- I'm gonna be honest. I thought about whether I should give you guys some smoke and mirrors uh, and something amusing. These are troubled times, uh, but really, this is a sad story. I got uh, I got really into the idea of falconry, and I was oh. like, "That's a real thing." Uh, you know, me me and my uh, me and one of my close friends were like, "Let's dream about what we'll do." If there's a world without a lockdown and, mm-hmm. you know, a world to come back to. And we were like, fucking Falcons, bro. We're going to be Falcon people yeah. now. Uh, so my search history is pretty deep in uh, falconry. It's a thing you can do. Uh, turns out it's a little bit complicated. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more more complicated than we thought it would be. When it's we more were than like, having a falcon on a glove. Yeah, right? Right? You can't so, even use a glove at home. You got to get it like a special glove. We took a thing. pitch back at Cracked from a falcon or uh, somebody who's a, who falcons for a living. Uh, and they were talking about it's actually really fascinating. Like they use it for hunting. They use the yeah. falcon. Like, so anytime somebody makes the argument that like second, uh, second amendment, like I, I need to have my gun for hunting, uh, you could be using a Falcon, <laughs> sir, yeah. which is That's way cooler, way more badass. Just 
breed a bunch of cool falcons or if you had like a i don't know what the term is like a fleet of owls because you know like that one murder mystery where like they thought maybe the owl got the woman at the base of her skull and shit yeah you just have these like owl assassins and shit yeah Yeah. staircase yeah exactly be a real who done it (laughs) here's why why i'm not gonna be a falconer sorry uh ben i have to uh i have to retire (laughs) after that uh after that who done it from miles we bring me my crown show has peaked um (laughs) uh but yeah the the stats i i don't have them in front of me but the stats on uh you know the number of school mass falconings uh are are much lower than uh gun violence so those are just facts, Jack, and that's what I love yeah. about this show. That's right. You know? I saw a guy, like a falconer. I know, I think LAFC, the MLS team, like there's like a falcon or a hawk or someone who's like part of the team. And I saw the guy who's the handler, like walking through like the concourse and like this like bar. And the, like while he's talking, the falcon took the wildest shit like on the <laughs> table next to him. And it was funny because the falconer didn't even flinch, and the woman he was speaking to's like neck almost broke when she's like, "Oh, right. oh, I, I think," and <laughs> I he think was just she... bulldozing through it. I was like, "Okay, well, yeah. the falcon's edge." Yeah, I, I gotta tell you guys, I gotta confess just real quick. Here's why I'm never gonna be a falconer. I got in over my head. I got in too deep. I didn't order anything yet. I'm not responsible for raising a falcon. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> it turns out that there's a. Um, a way that people falconers had to save some falcon species and they basically they they invented a very specific type of hat yeah. and they would have the falcon bang the hat while someone was wearing it to help the species reproduce and i was like this is not this is not what i signed up for wait i'm just have I'm not sex with the hat like have bang, sex like, with the hat okay okay yeah that, uh, where do I sign I mean, up for this hat? <laughs> let me what? let me show you. I don't under I mean, wait that I'm, like weird like the hood that keeps them like blind until it's time to attack. No, it's a hat that the falconer is wearing. It's like the falconer helmet, the equivalent of a yeah. football helmet for falconers is a hat that the falcon fucks. Yep, falconers <laughs> are genuine. Falconers it, are some so, real head banging stuff. Wow, wow. quite literally. Wow. Um, okay. So yeah. Well, I guess you know to each their own. Um, that's. I wish I didn't know that, but uh, How, well, I'm, I'm now that we're I there. Know. I mean, what do you do? Like, you can just leave it, and the hawk knows what time it is already. You're like, is that the hat? Okay, thank you. I'll come back in five <laughs> seconds. Like, I don't. How does it work? Like, no, what's, you have are to there... be wearing it. I think is that right? Yeah. Wait, Wait you have to wear it... the hat, and it fucks the hat while your it's on your head. You could. You can see videos and the people wearing the hat like make <laughs> falcon noises, like the right. equivalent of falcon dirty talk. Yeah, you know, and and oh uh, yeah, I got oh, I've seen I'm it a million times. Them. Uh, literal yeah. uh, skull fucking. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm just saying I I am not going to judge them. Far be it for me to yuck nah. someone's yum. Uh, all respect to falconers. It's just yum. Like, anybody also, who like, says that's a skill. <laughs> Anybody who says yum while that is happening needs to be put in prison. <laughs> Just getting their getting their hat fucked by a falcon and they utter the words yum. Well, you're being uh, too simplistic. I'm saying yum because I know that hawk is going to catch so many yummy mice later. 
That's yeah, yeah, what that's I was true. talking okay, about. Okay, cool, cool. Um, also, yum to the, the way it's fucking <laughs> that, though. Oh, bro. it seems like debasing. You know what I mean? Like, at yeah. that point, are you are you actually in control of the Falcon? But I'm you watching I mean? the videos, and the, the Falcons are all very pretty Ricky about it. Like, they're really just, like, putting in, like, very smooth. Uh, they put on a little R&B and just, like, give, give some dramatic... Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, I'm not watching the video. I never will. Uh, that <laughs> I have is my vow right to myself. It looks like it, the hat, and, and this one looks like a croc. They turn into a bucket hat. It's like, I think, yeah. a training hat or something. Anyway, this will be a whole other episode we'll do. No, I yeah, mean. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Ben, That's why I got like, out of it. You, you can't do a search history that deserves to be its own, like, 25 episode. part of yeah. 25 <laughs> oh, part series. series. <laughs> Uh, Damn. What is what is something you think is underrated? Okay, honestly, I think the damaging or deleterious effects of callousness of uh, people on social media, and I I never thought I would be uh, a hardcore advocating for something like this. I'm not a mental health expert or something. I know uh, we probably talked about it on Daily Zeitgeist, but the Kanye West presidential bid, for example, like the guy's actually filing paperwork. You can see it. He's filed for Oklahoma mm-hmm. and stuff. And people are, you know, I think we easily forget that uh, even celebrities or whatever are real people. Uh, I, I, I think it's like we have to remember we don't know these people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very close to shitting on someone with mental illness. I get it. Roast people. I'm all I roast everybody at some point. But I, I, I think that we're not giving due deference to uh, the fact that these are real people at the other end of the hands. Yeah. So that's me making up for the Falcon fucking hat. Yeah. I mean, well now that's, we have to, I mean, it's clear he is uh, in a state of distress. Like he, mm. that, that clip of him in South Carolina, uh, whatever that rally or stumps, whatever you want to call that was really um, unsettling. Like it was, it was kind of upsetting to see cause he was sort of all over the place and, you could tell based on the way he was talking, it was almost as if everyone was telling him to not go. And he was like, no, I know what's best for me. Don't tell me what to do. Cause he was like, if Kim divorces me for doing this, I don't care. And it's like, that almost sounds like she may have said, please don't do this. Or you're putting our marriage at risk. Right. And he still went out and did it. And that's the other sort of toxic side of the equation is like, on one hand, people look at it and they're like, wow, it's the TV because I've been, you know, sort of inoculated with this idea, this message that like, to be a celebrity means like the perfect existence where everything is manicured and like, you know, stresses of the world don't reach you. Uh, but then we lose our ability to just look at him and say, this man is in, a, he's like in pain. And it could also be that there are many people around him who are not really taking that seriously and just want to keep this thing going, like of being around Absolutely. him and saying like enabling him. And uh, there's a lot of talk too that he's seriously like, there, he's going to seriously put a lot of his businesses in jeopardy too with this, um, the whole campaign and everything with it. Oh yeah. What is something you think is overrated, Ben? Going to the office ever again? Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> I I don't ever want to. You, you know what I mean? I snuck into yeah. uh, I I snuck into the Atlanta office, and I, I'll be honest, I snuck in there just because I knew there were still some snacks. In the break room, the Atlanta office mm-hmm. break room is nothing on the LA break room. That's just wow. no. 
Uh, really? But I, but I don't know. Yeah. You guys oh, have that yeah, really nice refrigerator. I remember going in there and be like, the snacks always taste better in somebody else's office. That is that's true. Yeah, you get immediately tired of it the second time the you. The snacks see that are always snack. tastier on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, that's why that's why Jack's recording with the refrigerator in arm's reach. Yes, uh, exactly. I think snacks are themed. Yeah, but I was yeah, saying honestly. I burn six hundred calories a minute doing this podcast, so I got a <laughs> fuel, baby. Yeah, man, you're gonna waste away like that. That's that's the thing. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people. First off, you're very very fortunate if you're able to uh, if you're able to work from home, and increasingly if you're able to work at all. But I think we're we're looking around the world even in places that were responsible with handling the pandemic, we're seeing a bunch of people go, Hey, I, I kind of like not having to spend two and a half hours a day driving somewhere to have, you know, a meeting with some fucking Paul or whatever. Apologies to all the Pauls in the audience. Ooh, is Paul the male equivalent of Karen? Is that, I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of people are trying to figure it out. It's hard. It's hard to do. I saw on Reddit. Some people were trying to get Joel started. I was like, Hmm, Joel, mm, Joel, like not, I don't know, man. Yeah, because Karen has to be like a name that almost is like ubiquitous with some. Like Karen works because you feel like you know a bunch of moms named Karen, right? And you're like, which right. Karen? And it's like, the, what's the dad equivalent? I have to ask though for you guys because I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, I got my third shot coming on TDZ. They're gonna kill me if I talk about quesadillas again, even though they're awesome. I, I was like, <laughs> I, I want to hear from you guys. When a vaccine comes out in those in those dreamt of days when people are going out into the world or going into work on a regular basis, do you? I mean, where do you guys fall on that? Do you see a bunch of people going to the office, or do you think it's a permanent change? I don't know. It's a mixture. I, I, honestly, I feel like with comedy shows, I miss being in a room with somebody. Yeah, me too. There is I, something like when you perform. Like this show is. Like Jack and I have been doing it for so long, I don't feel the distance because I'm hearing him the same way, like sensor, like my sensory type way. It's the, the experience is very, the same. On other things that are like very, very like performative comedy stuff I've been on, I'm like, ugh, like the timing's just a little off because you're not there. You can't feel the person's energy. You can't feel when someone's about to talk. So in those, I do, but in the broader perspective, I do, it does have me rethinking the idea of what it means to commute and what is the nature of being able to work from home and the additive qualities, because I've definitely been able to be better with my time, uh, working from home. So it's, I don't know, Jack. Yeah. Is the um, love gone? I haven't even really like started to think about it because it's so far off. I just (laughs) think, I think a podcast studio is like the worst possible place to Mm. actually be in because we're talking, we're speaking into mics that uh, presumably other people have used, although we might change, change that to being a policy. I don't know. It's, it's complicated, but I'm, you know, I I do like being in the same room with people. I do, I do believe in like ideas germinating and stuff, but I'm definitely, I've always been open to people fully working from home, like on our team. And I I will continue to be that way. And I'm sure people will take us up on it more, more often going forward for sure. Yeah, But if there's a vaccine though, then I'll feel, but I don't know, because then it's the sequel comes out because like this is the hellscape we're in. Like I could feel like we'd only get like five months of like, man, all right, COVID is managed. Like there's concerts, there's sports, and then the next thing yeah. is happening, whether that's with the climate or who knows. But I don't know. Like as a human, I just feel very 
unsettled in general, yes. like with everything. Um, and finally, Ben, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Okay, this is going to be relevant to our uh, conversation today. So there, uh, there are documented cases of uh, federal agents abducting people in Portland, Oregon, right? And we know that the White House says that, uh, oh, you know, not only are we down with this horrific practice, but we want to essentially franchise it. We want to expand it to other mm-hmm. cities. One of the myths is that that is a thing happening in the future, Uh, The San Diego Tribune has documented a similar practice in San Diego. Uh, On June 6th, uh, the city council president, Georgette Gomez, called for an investigation into this. Uh, Undercover SDPD officers arrested some folks, threw them in unmarked vans, and then drove off. So it's the future is now in the worst possible way. Mm. Uh, I I know it's not a one-to-one comparison, uh, and I know there are a lot more funny myths out there. Like <laughs> Einstein was actually good at math. Right. That's true. What? But, uh, <laughs> he's, he, he shat the bed on an entrance exam. Mm. But then the oh, rest of right. it, he, he performed the way that you would imagine. Got that a, relativity uh, polymath thing down. Yeah. 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 yeah, he got that part, right? So so anyway, I, just, I, I know it's a lot to keep track of because we have so many things going on. And as you said, Miles, this hellscape. But... Um, yeah, this something like this is already happening in other cities. Right, coming to I'm, a town near you. That's why we've been saying, like, at what you know, it's clear that the government and a lot of legislators aren't like they actually don't act like the Constitution is like a binding agreement, like in this right. country, because it, like <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't have first, fourth, sixth, but I don't, you don't got any. Look, don't worry about any of these amendments, or you're not protected. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll snatch you up in a van and we'll actually take you somewhere and then not even give you a record of your detainment. Uh, right. that's truly like, there is no, there is no document that has any kind of significance or that's that anyone is giving any kind of reverence to at this point, because the lot like that behaviors of the federal government don't reflect that in any way. And I think, you know, again, to your point too, we can argue that there's, this has been happening for decades, really. Uh, but now we're like looking at it. We're like, oh, we're at that stage where someone who has a uniform on won't even say who they are. And it's like, I'm going to grab you by your shoulder and you're just, you come with me now. Uh, that's, it's like sort of that unabashed now. And I think that's what's frightening because at what point are there going to be people who are armed like citizens who have people approaching them who are not identifying themselves and what happens then? And that's, I think, the kind of escalation that, you you know, the the government sort of is looking for or in some reason because they need to justify this really, really outlandish overuse of force because it's not it's clearly not having the effect that the president did. It was like, I'm going to clean up Portland. Just wait and see. And everyone's like, dude, please get the fuck out. Also, this is so freaky. This is like you're already doing, you know, fa- like American fascism. So that's not a bad Trump voice, though. I got to give it to you. That wasn't bad. <laughs> comes in and goes. Um, All right, guys, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Robert Evans, Rub Evans from Portland. And we're back and we're thrilled to be joined in our fourth seat right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, by the host of a show called Behind the Bastards, uh, the host of a show called It 
can happen here. Uh, maybe it should have been called It Is Happening Here, uh, if it's you're listening to it now, right yeah. now. Uh, he's the host of an ongoing show called Worst Year Ever. Again, like... Y- it's getting weird how many things you were right about. Yeah. Uh, you, Didn't you just because, do a podcast that says, whoa, Miles grew back all his hair. How'd that happen? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have greenlit the, uh, yeah, the Miles <laughs> grew back his hair podcast uh, and also won the lottery. So now yeah, we have oh, jet skis. The yeah. follow-up show, yeah. And I yeah. just want to be big if you could, mm-hmm. if I could become big. Like yeah, like in the, the, like in the movie machine? Big starring yeah, Tom yeah, Hanks. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know, you, know you want to be Tom Hanks circa I 1996. Be, I, just, yeah. I just wish I was Tom Hanks. That would have been yeah. better if the kid wished he was Tom Hanks. Uh, I want, hey, I want to, Robert, can you add Can you add a part where it's like Ben Bolin showers regularly and uh, <laughs> oh, no. has control That's of what his it's going to take? Oh, yeah, no. you know, uh, I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. My abilities have limitations, Ben. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking with Big, right? Josh Baskin, Carol yeah. Baskin, any relation? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Just think about that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's keep it moving. I mean, there's that scene where he creepily goes back to his elementary school or middle school and just like watches the girl who oh, he right. got big to date, uh, but he's like a 35-year-old man and she's still like 13. Yeah. Uh, he just lo- looks at her walking down the street and is like, ah, you know, simpler, simpler times, but Sim- before uh, that machine done turned my life upside down. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, his name's Robert Evans. Uh, he has also been on the front lines in Portland uh, as uh, all hell has broken loose, and Trump has started using that city as uh, his fascism testing ground. Uh, yeah, that part's actually been great um, lately. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you're the test kitchen for whatever white supremacist fascism uh, the Trump administration wants to try out. Uh, yeah. You, they Make tried it out there. Yeah. Like, yeah, they tried that there, and it's not working great. <laughs> so, like, Robert, yeah. you know, things I think ev- people have known that for the last, you know, over 55 days or so, uh, it hasn't stopped in Portland. Although the nope. media is typically only focused on times it's violent, there has been not much coverage of many of the peaceful protests that have continued in this country because you know it's not going to get eyeballs. But with Portland, I think uh, many people were you know anyone who follows you can tell that the situation was not improving. And then around the 14th of July is when we started seeing these reports of just federal goons hopping out of unmarked you know car unmarked yeah. minivans and disappearing people. So what um, I guess. To put it professionally, what the fuck is going on, man? I mean, yeah, there's been an uprising against the police. Uh, so right. the the national focus has been on the feds, because the feds, number one, are pretty visually spectacular. They have a fuckload of munitions, and they just toss them out like goddamn candy. Um, and they, they dress exactly like soldiers, and they do violence in the way that soldiers do, and it's pretty spectacular to watch. Um, so that has captured people, and that and, like, the snatch vans have captured attention. But, like... The vast majority of the violence done during this uprising has been by the Portland Police Bureau, and that's mm-hmm. still what most people in Portland are most pissed about. And that's why this has gone on so long. Like before the president started making Portland the centerpiece of his reelection campaign, the the size of the demonstrations had dwindled to like a good night would be three hundred people. But there were three hundred like hardened activists who were had all who had all completely lost their fear of police. And were like willing to give up their lives standing up against them in a riot line and like fucking getting shot at for hours. And we're just doing that 
every single night. Like it was fucking relentless. Mm. And it was like the press corps, a lot of us up until these last, these last three or four days have been great because now there's all this attention and the big crowds have come back and like the police are on the back foot. But like we were all starting to fucking break down just as kind of the movement itself was because it seemed like this whole thing was dying. Yeah, I noticed you were interviewed by this uh, small-time, out-of-town newspaper, the New York Times. Uh, yeah, you yeah. may have heard of them. So they're, yeah. they're, they're pretty interested in, uh, in the whole thing. You've been there for, like you said in that interview, like probably 30-something of the 30-something, man. Yeah. 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 Most of them. I was there on the very first night. I've, I've, I've seen most of it. What what's sort of this interplay between the narrative that the right is using to say okay because it seems like if you're watch, if you're tuning into Fox their line is look at these left wing Democrat mayors and governors let their towns get ripped up by anarchists how do you think all of this all of these visual elements the you know sort of escalation with federal officers coming in how that all plays into this sort of narrative that the White House wants. Well, you know, here's the thing. I do want to push back against now, you know, the, the big demonstration last night was fueled a lot by Donald Trump. But um, as a rule, the reason this got this far is not because people hated Donald Trump. It's not because people hated the feds. It mm-hmm. is because people in Portland recognize that their police bureau is particularly violent and problematic. 58% of use of force cases by the Portland police is against the mentally handicapped, Right. They had very recently an officer named Kruger in 2010. He was caught basically like he was caught building and maintaining shrines to dead Nazis. Um, And he got in trouble for it. And the police union sued and got him an apology. And he retired eventually with a full pension. A guy Um, named Kruger? Yeah, I I know. Shocking. That sounds like Um, a... The Portland Police Union, when uh, Quanice Hayes was killed by the Portland Police Bureau, like blamed his mom for his death. Um, and obviously, like, argued to let that Nazi cop uh, get, you know, an apology. Um, the So the previous uh, two chiefs ago, Daniel Outlaw, who's now the Philly police chief, when in 2018 Portland police shot a man in the back of the head with a grenade and nearly killed him, um, she went on a far-right podcast and laughed about how this was an example of, like, Antifa getting the fight that they wanted. And on another instance, so like, you know, she left and then we had Chief Resch for a while, about six months, and she left after all this started because of how badly the initial police response to the demonstrations is. We got a new guy, Chief Lavelle, who's a black man and who like, when they made him the new police chief, everybody was talking about how like good it is that now this, you know, we've got this black man who's really tied into the black community and he's going to be a good police chief. Immediately, a local journalist finds a story from when he was a school resource officer a few years earlier, and a girl talked back to him, and he choked her, (laughs) and he got sued for choking a 14-year-old, so it's like, yeah, Portland Police, (laughs) good bureau. So again, like, the Portland Police have earned a huge amount of hatred by repeatedly assaulting people and showing, like, a disdain. I've watched them drag people on their backs over asphalt into clouds of tear gas. Like, they don't give a fuck. (laughs) They are are a bad police bureau. (laughs) Um, can you talk about riot ribs? Uh, and oh fuck yeah, I can talk about riot that ribs. story because I, I feel like that's the kind of side of the uh, protests Ooh. and uh, yeah community action that isn't getting covered. This old man yeah. Lorenzo showed up on July fourth and started cooking a shitload of ribs for people. Um, and 
like the, one of my friends, Donovan Farley, who's a local journal or who's a journalist here, does some writing for Rolling Stone and Vice and stuff. Like when the police came out, so the, July Fourth, everybody laid siege to the federal courthouse with illegal fireworks. So like people were just firing thousands and thousands of dollars worth of like commercial grade fireworks into the side of a courthouse while federal agents inside shot out at them and dumped tear gas like it was fucking burning pitch down the sides of a castle. It was quite yeah. a night. Um, and so eventually all these feds and cops like charge out and start trying to clear the, um, the parks and stuff. And like the crowd fought with them for hours, but like Donovan and a couple of other people who were just like clustered around this guy, Lorenzo, like protected him with their bodies. And we're like, you're not going to fuck up the ribs. And the cops basically looked at like this old black man cooking ribs and were like, probably not going to be great for us if we just beat the shit out of this guy tonight. Like, probably we should probably focus on beating the shit out of these teenagers. It's not like he's a 14-year-old child, apparently. Yeah, he's right? not like he's a 14-year-old child. Right. Um, And yeah, Lorenzo the whole time was just being like, <laughs> I got enough pork on here, piggies. I don't need you out here, too. And it was, like, it was very funny. Um, So Lorenzo becomes something of like a fucking monument to the community and Riot Ribs gets started. And Lorenzo actually, he's an older guy. He hasn't been out as often, but like Riot Ribs has become its own like self-reinforcing organization. So there's a bunch of different cooks. There's a mix of like folks who are just like motivated to the cause, a lot of houseless people. Um, And so it's become both like a 24-hour basically kitchen where you can eat your fill. Um, But also they have like clothing donations set up. They have like, you know, food and water that's outside of the ribs. Um, they have like, they do like resume writing and like, you know, trying to help people get like showers and, and clothing to like get work and stuff. Um, so it's become like this community, uh, mutual aid organization too. And the police fucking hate it. They arrest the riot ribs guys most nights. Um, they've done shit like slash their tires, steal their food and throw it away a bunch of times. And we have another, there's a, a guy who has a van that's become called the BLM snack van. And it's just like a van covered in graffiti full of snacks that will drive around with the protesters while they're fighting the cops. And on July 4th, he wasn't breaking the law, but the cops just slashed his tires while he was driving. <laughs> it was this oh like, God. it was this wild thing of just like, are you guys just cutting his, you're not even trying to arrest him. You just fucking cut his tires. Like what the hell is going on? Too many snacks. They hate people with snacks. Yeah. Those snacks are dangerous. Uh, Robert, you reported on the Ukraine kind of civil war, uh, the uprising in the streets of Kiev. Uh, yeah. What can you talk about? Just like how this. Well, first of all, just explain like what happened there briefly, and then talk about like what what you're seeing now in the United States. Um, you know, in Portland, it has. I when this all started, there was this because everybody was very um enthusiastic when this started in Portland, but did uh, there was not a lot of like deep knowledge about how to, there was a lot of knowledge about like how to coordinate a march, how to block off streets, how to like keep a crowd of people kind of safe in the streets as they prepare to confront the police. Folks weren't very good at confronting the police initially. That took a lot of time. Like I, I've been watching, you've been, we've been watching this fucking crowd get better at it and like going from like getting tear gassed once and everybody scatters through the streets to like holding up and fighting in groups of m- multiple hundreds, sometimes over a thousand for hours, um, which is where we are now. At this point, it is a like it is a hardened crowd of street fighters. <laughs> um, right. And yeah, I, there's definitely, you know, what you haven't seen the situation they had in the Maidan, which is where people actually occupied semi-permanently, you know, a massive chunk of the, of the central city 
and refuse to leave and were willing to like die and deploy physical, hardcore physical violence against the police. Right. We, we still have not seen that. We have seen protesters throw stuff and shoot fireworks at police and federal agents. We have not yet seen in an or we've and we've seen a few de arrests. You know, there have been some like, you know, fights with sticks and stuff, but very little of that comparatively. Like there has not been yet the kind of thing that will happen at some point if this continues where a police or federal riot line charges with beat sticks and they're met by a crowd who starts swinging sticks back at them and trying to like knock them down and tack like right. that has not we haven't had that moment yet and, and that to be is clear kind of, the part yeah. that has happened is the cops just uh tackling the shit out of people and, beating and also them hitting sticks. people yeah. with sticks yeah like, oh all the time yeah constantly. oh my god there's beating that. them in the face yeah yeah it's bad there was what uh Seemed to be a like an actual human giant who yeah. was being confronted yeah. by a, a bunch of cops and just got that they, they were hitting him and uh, the yeah, it's just kind of it's a fifty three year old local activist and Navy veteran. He was actually a Naval Academy veteran who like stood up while these federal agents beat him with sticks and just like didn't move and didn't move while they maced him and like they actually fucked him up really bad. His arms broken in a few places. He's getting pins put in his hand. Like they messed him up. Yeah, bad. It looked like he it. just didn't want to be seen flinching from them. Yeah. Um, Cause he's a tough son of a bitch. Uh, and that video is widely a, available. Yeah. yeah. It's all yeah, over. Find that. You meet yeah. these people like that who just have been doing this, who are just like, like one of our local reporters who has done like some of the most, you know, standing in the streets and being horribly tear gassed and shot at is this young woman, Lindsay, who is a, a fucking kindergarten teacher who just started coming out, like, seeing all police brutality. He was like, well, I guess I should come out and film this every night in between, like, teaching small children. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing, like, what's been happening in the streets of Portland. Okay, so I think with any of these protests that we've seen that are going up against police violence and, like, just the systemic oppression that is being aided by the federal government as well, what is sort of the end goal for the protesters in Portland to begin seeing some kind of shift, like, that begins to feel substantive to the point where it's not just gestures or empty, you know, nonsense. So what's been achieved already is that about $24 million been, have been cut out of the Portland Police Bureau budget. Um, and the a couple of programs have been ended. The gang task force, which is probably the most violent chunk of the Portland police, has been shut down. The um, school resource officers are being removed from Portland schools. Um, so there have been some changes like that that have been made. Um I would say most of the crowd that is the regular crowd are complete abolitionists, right? Even the mm -hmm. ones who weren't at the start of this, they don't want there to be a Portland Police Bureau. They want to they want to get rid of them and do something else. And they want the feds out. Everybody wants the feds out. Um, I would say of the folks who are kind of have been coming out less and have been coming more since like the Trump stuff started, there's a lot of kind of reform the police, but kind of broad understanding that like, you know, the cuts need to be more like $50 million dollars. Uh, it needs to be possible to sue police officers directly. Like some of these people need to go to fucking jail. There need to be investigations in the use of force. And there's a growing consensus that like all charges against protesters need to be dropped. Um, yeah, I would say like those are the kind of things everyone agrees on. And like then there's kind of some sticking points between the people who want to reform the police and the people who are like, we don't want to have police anymore. And again, everyone who's been out here for most of the 50 days, they're all kind of on the let's not have any fucking cops in the city anymore. Let's replace mm -hmm. them with something. Let's figure something else out because this, like, fuck these people um, right. is the attitude I would say I see the most. And also, like, I don't know. I would prefer they not exist anymore. Uh, I've seen them shoot enough people 
in the body and beat enough people in the face that like yeah, we yeah. don't need those. I don't I don't think those are necessary in my community. <laughs> like I don't like them here. So Robert, I think one thing is probably on a lot of the uh, on the mind of a lot of people listening to this episode is going to be uh you know, they're they're saying I'm not in Portland. I support this. I want to in some way help or assist, you know, even if I live in Poughkeepsie or in, I don't know, Jakarta or something, just pulling names out of a hat. What could people do, people based outside of Portland, to somehow support others during this uprising? You know, there's the or Portland there PD... Some? Yeah, the PDX protest bail fund is, you know, putting in money to help people get out of jail. Um, you know, there's a, a, a couple of different... Um, organizations that are attempting to like uh help folks who have been you know um uh uh affected you know like yeah. like who have charges against them who are coming out of jail and stuff everybody's um, gonna have ptsd i'm sure like or a lot of people are gonna be suffering from ptsd after this tons of ptsd like yeah um, uh, 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 everybody like everybody who's really been out here has ptsd and like right. it's pretty well known. And again, part of what's part of what's bringing people out every night is kind of this understanding that like, oh my god, if we stop when this finally ends, is when we're all gonna fucking have this shit hit us like a mountain because that's how PTSD works. Um, and that's not gonna be easy. Um, so people are uh kind of dreading that. I think you can also right. Venmo money to Portland Riot Ribs, right? Uh, yes, like, you we'll, can we'll absolutely Venmo money to Portland Riot Ribs. They rule. Um, and then just so like we kind of talked about what you guys' goals are uh, yeah. on the on the side of the people. Um, from Trump's perspective, you know, it, it seems like you know he it uh, yesterday afternoon it was uh, announced that he was defying the mayor's order to get the feds out mm -hmm. uh, and actually just ordered 175 federal uh, troops into Chicago. Um, like it, it seems to me like he's trying to start a civil war before he gets voted out of office. And like, I don't like just the, knowing what we know of his, like the way he thinks, like there's literally no reason he wouldn't try to do that because he wants death, he wants carnage, and he wants power. And those are all things that he could accumulate uh, if if this escalates. Like, how, how are you thinking about that as somebody who has some expertise in kind of writing about and reporting from civil wars around uh, around the world? I'm certainly concerned about, you know, the, the potential for fatal violence, right? That was the thing when people first started really fucking with the feds before there was were big crowds again. It was like, based on the wording of the executive order he put out to protect the statues, they could just be shooting people every time people get fucking, you know, into a statue or a federal park to mess with it. Like, they have that right, according to the... the and the EOs are probably illegal, but, like, you know, up to that point, like, they don't have to, you know, they, 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 they're... They get to do kind of what they want to. So they, they have made a choice, essentially, not to start shooting at people, right? Not to fire live rounds yet. But they're out there with M4s every night. Like, they have the weapons, and they bring them out when they are shooting at protesters with the non-lethals. And the way that they use the non-lethals is the way they would be using live 
rounds, right? Because they're not trained in how to use non-lethals the way police do, which is why they hurt people so much. Um, so it is this kind of dicey situation where, you know, the city of Portland has continued to call the president's bluff. And, and I think everyone is hoping that, like, if, if this key, like, he won't have the fucking guts to start shooting people because of how badly this has gone for him so far. And it, it, it is at this point, like, there's this kind of level of, I think, uh, understanding in Portland that, like, if, if, like, the, the only way for us to be safe is to keep this up. Right. Yeah. I really worry about, yeah. About any, any, uh, assumption that is on the side of, like, you know, him not doing the most desperate and violent thing. Yeah. Um, so stay safe out there. I know I've yeah, said that to you a number of times, but, yep. uh, seriously, seriously. Yeah, you know, it's the thing that it is. Yeah, <laughs> and thanks, thanks for doing this. Yeah, yeah, Probably. thanks for yeah, coming absolutely. on, man. I appreciate it, and I know. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. Hopefully, you uh, have some resources lined up for once once this all settles down, because I know yeah. just experiencing and witnessing and then reliving it for uh, assholes like us uh, can't be can't be good for you. So I, I hope you're. Uh, you know, taking care of yourself. Yeah, we're all doing our best here. You know, we've got yeah. a pretty good crew um, who goes out, so that helps. You know, you're not alone. Yeah, um, yeah. I did want to say I'm a little disappointed that the the woman is getting all the press for sitting oh, spread eagle. Yeah, yeah. And you were three feet to her right. Am I right? And doing the exact same thing, but nobody took that picture and put it on the. Yeah, you know, all of the all of my nudity has been edited out of the national story, and you know, everyone who's been I'm on the ground in it, Portland frankly. knows that my nudity has been a major part of this movement. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised that wasn't on any of the DHS yeah. like justification scrolls or like and Robert Evans' violent nudity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're scared. They're scared of, uh, of of the 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 rampantness of my nudity. The magnetic South. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. All right, man. Take right. care. Stay safe. Great talking. Yeah. To you. Thank you. Later. All right, guys, we're going to uh, take a quick break and we'll be back to talk Netflix. And we're back. And Miles and I uh, watched the top two Netflix movies of the past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as our writer J.M. McNabb pointed out, they do kind of represent this duality. Um, we talked at the end of last week about how Netflix put out their list of the top 10 movies, uh, top 10 original Netflix original movies so far, like in, in their history. And it was all these like kind of slick action movies like Extraction with Chris Hemsworth and, uh, Spencer Confidential, uh, which I think is Post about Malone. A, Post Malone, and it's about a crime-solving dog, I think. Uh, that's what J.M. wrote. I, I kind of agree. That, that name is terrible. Uh, but it, it's Mark Wahlberg. So it's like these kind of things that seem like, oh, that's a type of movie that used to come out in the theaters like three years ago, and now it's just moved on to Netflix. And so they actually recently came out with a press release saying The Old Guard, uh, which also fits into that category. Charlize Theron, big star, and it's a big slick action movie with like a uh, successful director, 
They were like, that's uh, been streamed that's 72 it. million times. That's on pace to be one of our biggest movies, if not our biggest movie. Um, but they did not mention the movie that supplanted it, uh, Fatal Affair. And I think that, you know, they're, they're not talking about the fact that 365 Days has been their most popular movie because it's just, you know, cheap, tawdry uh, TV. It's a, Skinamax, it's, man. Yeah, it's Skin, it's 365 Days. Uh, days was Skinamax and Fatal Affair. I've heard described as like a more of a lifetime movie. Um, yeah. So why don't we start off with Fatal Affair, Miles? What? What? I mean, look, I go into it. Nia Long, love her. Omar oh, yeah. Epps, mm. oh man, mm. Higher Learning, mm. one of my favorite films. Uh, oh, like I was like, this is great. It it for me, it fits everything. I'm like two stars that I've I have you know have loved over the years. Uh, they're back. They're a little older, you know. Well, hell, we're all a little bit older. So let's mm-hmm. let's let's just sit down and watch this like grimy, musty uh, film. And it's essentially like about uh, like you know, it's like one of those like love unrequited things turns into stalker sort of situations. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. ex- I was I watched the trailer before we were talking about watching it. And when I watched the film, I was like, oh, it's the trailer is actually the whole film. Like, you don't miss anything if you watch the trailer. So it's like Nia Long. She's a high-powered attorney with the perfect everything. Husband, new home, daughter in college. Until one day, this man comes back into her life who she went to college with. And at first, it seems like it was a coincidence that they're working together. And then they go to a bar and things get a little bit hot and they almost have sex. And she's like, you know what? I have the perfect everything. And as much as I like you and enjoy your company and your passion and how much comparatively you may be better than my current husband. I cannot go through with this. Mm. Cut to now Omar Epps becoming a stalker with hacker skills. And mm. it's like it plays out like how all these things do where it's like suddenly like he shows up as someone as someone's guest to a dinner party. And she's like, it's like he won't get away. And he's playing golf with my husband. You know, it's like very, Ooh. very formulaic how the stalker then just sort of seeps into the life. And all in the trailer? Basically, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> This is still the trailer. We yeah, this is all the trailer. And then yada, yada, yada. <laughs> eventually, people's lives are on the line, and then he has to die because he's the bad guy. Like, it's very, you know what it is when you sign up. So right. I was fine with that. And you know what? It is so bad, but that's okay. <laughs> because you know when you watch the trailer, it does not look good. If you're watching right. it, it's because you got to spare 90 minutes and you you fuck with Neil Long and Omar Epps. And you're like, yeah, fuck it. I don't have anything to do. Let's check it out. Right. And plus, we're on an airplane now. Everything's an airplane film. So the bar is very low. I was like, okay. The thing, though, is that the sex scenes do not compare to 365 Days. Or Denis, sorry. The European title. The Polish title. Is, there, uh, is it like one with nudity? Like, does it have nudity? Nah, nah. It's a lot of like... And I'm not saying you need nudity, but like right. it felt like you know they're getting a check like they don't you know just right. get some close ups <laughs> of you like taking off your underwear and like that's enough and right. i was reading a, a, a review of it that's actually really true how they're pointing out i think is in the root that this director or cinematographer loves insert shots so like anytime something happens there's like an interaction maybe omar epps is like touching Nia Long's back, like, oh, let's go over here. Insert close-up of hand on small of back. Insert uh. close-up, hand on hand. Insert close-up, hand turning off lamp. <laughs> Insert close-up. There are so many inserts that you're like, okay. Wow. I, everything has so much meaning, but it doesn't. And the whole thing, that the thing that actually made this har- somewhat hard for me to watch, it wasn't the bad writing or cinematography or directing or lighting. It was the fact that Omar Epps' character sort of felt like a person that exists in real life, where 
it's like, yeah, it's like this dude who's like won't let go and it starts like meddling in their life and it's like really intense and it normally like these films have a little bit more of like I don't know if it's like whimsy, but there's it's something a little more fantastic about it. This just felt mm. like a dateline episode. Right. You know, where yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that that tracks. This guy's a hacker. Yep. And then he figured it out. And then he manipulated your homegirl to get, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm, ugh, you hate to see it. So it became like less of a film. And I was like, ugh, this shit's like, this feels like real life. And not to say, like, I think with a lot of those Lifetime films, there's always an element of like, you'd walk out and being like, could you imagine right. like, if that happened? <laughs> right. This, I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's probably this, happening somewhere right now. That could yeah. happen. Like there's Just nothing too. Acting. Yeah. There's nothing too far off. I mean, yes, there's some ridiculous stuff, but as a premise, I'm like, it, it wasn't enough to make me like, be like, Oh, this is just one of those bad movies. I was like, but miles Ugh. reality does not have insert shots. And that yeah. is what we look for in our entertainment is so what, what would it be shots. like if I could just like get real close up for a split second on that hand. And also, yeah, yeah, it was a hard thing to think of, like, you know, some some performers age well, like men and women. But Omar Epps, I'm putting in that category of not aging well. Like he I think he had his he had his time when he was right. younger. I mean, you know he was I mean? always just like kind of he seemed cool. So like as a 50 yeah. something, like it's like a cool person doesn't age into necessarily like a cool, a cool dad. Older person. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, you're, you're a dad now you're going golfing with. Yeah. Well, like I would uh, say like Idris Elba, you know what I mean? Like he's bringing, right, he's, he brings a silver Fox evolution to like, right. I've, I've, I've see it. But it, Idris asked, Elba from the start, you were like this, the thing that's cool about this dude is he like has that gravity about him that right. like, you know, he's like, I don't know. Like you would get, you would hire him to, be the CEO mm. of your company, whereas Omar Epps just always seemed cool. Yeah, I and put I'm like, Javier oh, really Bardem in there. I put oh. Javier Bardem in the Idris level, but also, you know, I don't know about you guys, but as an uncool person, those dudes give me a shit ton of hope. I'm like, you know what? If I make it <laughs> to 60, One day. mid-60s, I'm going to shine, man. I, I, I think also with the insert shots, yeah, you know, I, I think we can safely define a good film uh, yeah. by the following. It's a good film if you see the people's hands close up more than you see their faces. That's right. just a fact. <laughs> you know, that's how the industry works. The last thing I'll add is like Omar Epps, like you're saying, he's such a like a cool guy or like nice guy. There are right. moments where like he didn't even he didn't come off as believably a guy who had murdered his ex-wife who looks like Nia Long and you should be afraid of him. Like right. I was like, oh, what's up, Omar Epps? And he'd like <laughs> there's like one moment where Nia Long's trying to like you know create boundaries for his stalking and he's like her name is Ellie in the thing and he's like who do you think you're talking to Deborah which is his like dead ex-wife but he oh. does it in this way where he's like he can't even Omar Epps yeah, I think he is too like he's never off. actually been that angry right so <laughs> in his life <laughs> yeah yeah so even when he has to play like this like maniacal guy who murdered right. his ex-wife and is stalking this woman it was just sort of like i just sorry omar i don't know if that's in your wheelhouse man yeah but man he was cool but also hey watch it if you like cool. them uh yeah uh the strength of willie mays hayes you know you gotta watch it seriously uh all right old guard he was willie mays hayes did they in the second re- one recast it or did they just uh say he was like his cousin because it was wesley snipes in the first one did they just were they Um, like 
Willie well, no, he's Hayes he's Jr. Willie Mays Hayes in the first one, and then in the second one, yeah, he's also Willie Mays Hayes. So they just didn't really say they anything. Just, they were just like, yeah, they just did the. Uh... Shh, 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 shh. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? No, it's the same dude. Uh, Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Snipes is could have probably pulled that role off, right? Snipes, yeah, because we know we've seen Snipes. He's. I mean, not that he's like the best, the greatest actor, right. but being a little off is definitely in his wheelhouse. Like Absolutely. being cool, like, you know, Omar Epps was like in the wood, you know, and like loving basketball. Ooh. Like there's just things where I, I I watch out of respect for the body of work. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I, I got to uh, say, though, I'm, I'm waiting for the Blade reboot. Anything that doesn't take Snipes away from the Blade reboot, mm-hmm. I'm on board with. But anything <laughs> that distracts him, I'm a million percent against it. <laughs> who who is uh the lead in the Blade reboot? Do you know? Uh I don't you know, I wish it was Wesley Snipes Jack to the point where I've refused to google it. Right. Uh, cuz I you know, we all need a dream to hold on to. Uh but I I don't know. I I don't think it's Wesley Snipes though. Unfortunately. Um Do you know anything about it? Just know there is a reboot. It's oh, Mahershala happening. Ali. It's Mahershala yeah, Ali. Yeah, there it oh, is. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's going to be dope. Uh, well, Academy Award what? winner. That's the other thing. Does Mahershala Ali be like, hey, man, look, I kind of just, <laughs> I know I told y'all yes to this shit, but kind of won the Academy Award. I mean, like, you know, when I was down here, I could do those Blade reboot type roles, but I'm kind of up here now. So if it's not about like, a, you know, maybe a, a, a vampire hunter who's also a driver for a problematic jazz musician... Uh, right. driving through the 60s <laughs> south maybe we could do something well speaking of love and basketball uh because the old guard was directed by the same director as love and basketball so the old guard is um it's basically the idea is that there's uh like four immortal people uh or five immortal uh warriors on the planet uh it's a dope concept is basically like a, one of those like modern like peterberg action movies like war movies mixed with highlander so like the back in the day battle scenes like it's a solid like taken sequel level action movie where it's like that was fun ish oh, to watch yeah right. taken sequel not original taken it's not like a yeah. classic it's just <laughs> like I just like the way I'm going to watch it just off the strength of that description. Dude, (laughs) she does something really cool to the. shit. It's so good. You don't even want to describe it. You just want to tease that it's cool and you should watch it. I loved it. So they they like do cool things with the action premise of these people can't be killed. Uh, They know it. Unfortunately, everybody who they're fighting against also knows it. And yet it's like, you know how in a Kung Fu movie, the bad guys keep coming at the hero one at a time and you just have to ignore that. (laughs) Now imagine if that happened in slow motion because every time, like these bad guys who the one thing they know about them is that they can't be killed. They keep killing them and then turning around and being like, well, that did it. Uh, Or, (laughs) or being like killing them and then leaving the room. Um, And it's just, Uh. you really have to suspend uh disbelief and also like have to wonder why they're not just beheading them because like we don't know like they they literally like can just heal but they don't it's not like you can be behead you can like put yourself back together or not 
it would take a long time to put yourself back together. <laughs> or if you were blown up, like I, I don't know what how how that would work. And they hope you don't ask that question during the um movie. Um because no one else did. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um but they there's also some really corny shit where they like at one point they're like, all right, let's go San Paolo in this final raid. Uh San Paolo 34. What happened in San Paolo in 1934? And Charlie's Theron's like, 1834. You'll see. Oh uh, shit. Because <laughs> like she would specify 1934. It's just right. one of the nah, all-time bad lines. Nah, 34. No, nothing <laughs> before that. Right. Just a yeah. year 34. Zero, zero, 34. Double um, lot, 34. <laughs> it, it, like, it really, the thing that is a bummer is if you gave this movie, like, more thought and a little bit more budget, um, it could have been so dope. Like, the, huh. the way that they treat, like, so it turns out, like, she's been doing this since, like, basically way before the Crusades. Since 34. Yeah, since 34. Oh, yeah, 34. <laughs> um, and she's been, like, she has this, like, she's kind of woven this web through history where she's saving people, like, two generations before their offspring, like, cure polio or diabetes or, like, all these different things. So it's, like, this cool idea where she's, like, an instrument for God and, like, all these people are. But, like, the they have, like, these historic battle scenes that are like Xena warrior princess level. Like they just look like people wearing hats and wigs, like riding around <laughs> in Kansas. It's just so bad. They're like, one um, time you so see an extra's wig that. fly off when they're riding a horse. They're like, yeah. Oh shit. You're like, yo, the wig flew off. The wig <laughs> flew off. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's pretty, it's a dope premise. And I could see them like, now that it's been a big success, like really Ooh. devoting some time to it um, and like making it, if it gets better and better, like the Fast and the Furious franchise, like it could go in some really cool directions, even though Charlize Theron's a little bit of a, I don't know, she's like just kind of serious and boring. Like I, I wish she had, like you could have gone- the old head in the group. Right, she's the old head, but like you could have gone in the direction of like she, like all of her historic experience, like- just makes her this like genius because she knows everything. Like I would have preferred like a Tony Stark like level. Like I just like am on fire with all the knowledge of history that I've lived through. But instead she just seems like bummed out by right. it. It's and like it's, her job. Yeah. It's, she's just like shit. There's also like a, the central question of the movie is like, wait, why, why don't you just let them like, study your DNA and then we can like make everybody like saw like cure all these diseases. Yeah. If you know, if you have this knowledge, like why and, just sit on it? And their answer Ooh. is because the, uh, the pharma company that like, it, <laughs> what? they're the main bad guy. What? The, the main bad guy is, <laughs> is a pharma company. Yeah. It's called GlaxoSmithKline. It's called Merrick, which is basically just Merck, like Merck. Right? Wow. Yeah. It's just called Merrick. Wow. wow. Merrick the main Garland. guy is Mr. Merrick. He's like a young, oh. funny looking guy. Uh, Played by and, Martin Shkreli. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, he's supposed to be Shkreli. And uh, he's just like impossibly evil. And he's just like, I will torture them as much as I want. Who says I can't dump toxic waste in the ocean? Okay, so like with a premise like this where people are fucking invincible, 
usually like with Superman, whoever, we know that people have a weakness. You know, like everybody, even if you're invincible, you have a weakness because otherwise we're just watching gods fuck shit up. And while that can be fun, uh, it, it doesn't always create enough conflict. So what they they do they have a weakness? I know you're like, why don't they cut their heads off? Is that the thing like decapitation or well, that's so, not even no? Yeah, the their weakness would be that like they can like they die for momentarily and then they're able to like heal like Wolverine like the the bullets like they Cover spit up. Yeah, the bullets right. out yeah that that sort of thing and also eventually their time is through and Charlize Theron who is the oldest of the of the old guard by the way this seems like it should be the title for like a movie starring clint eastwood and tommy lee jones as like old cowboys who like called space cowboys actually with tommy lee jones and clint eastwood (laughs) but uh she eventually like stops healing so like that is something that can happen oh so it's like the star in mario like it wears off at a certain point and then you're you, After you like mortal. a thousand years, and they have no, there's no rhyme or reason, so it's not oh, really if, a, uh, a weakness as much as it's just like a, an eventuality, right? Because you'd think there'd be like, well, the one thing that will knock mm-hmm. them out of their immort- immortality is this, because then you usually that's what those films are building towards. So at a certain point, it's like if these people are already killing them and not doing anything about it and not even knowing what to do, then I'm like, yeah, I guess it would become a little, like, you just get irritated. You're like, well, these people don't even die. They don't even know what to do. There's a million weaknesses because, like, you could bury them alive and they'd just be underground for thousands of years in the worst situation. No one has superhuman strength? Like, you couldn't put them in cement? No, they don't have superhuman strength at all. Like They they, just come back. Pour them into the foundation of a building. Yeah, that's... Yeah, shoot them into space. That's... (laughs) What the fuck? Then I'm... So that's they, irritating. They've been kind of like going along like in secret and that they've just been discovered. That's sort of the inciting incident is that the CIA discovers their existence or Got one of the it. guys from the CIA. Um, but one of the people has been underwater in an Iron Maiden for a, like 500 years, just drowning repeatedly. So they do kind of address that as like, this could really suck. Like this could be very mm. bad. Oh um, right, this person is just like the OA over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, just dies <laughs> over and over and over, drowning and over. But yeah, yeah. There will be a sequel, right? I think Charlize Theron was talking about it. Yeah. So it ends right? with this. Uh, yeah, it ends with a pretty cool like, oh shit. The basically, it's the well. I won't. I won't spoil it for people. Yeah. It's no spoilers fun to watch. for it's the old guard. Watch. Yeah. Like they're clearly trying to make a cinematic universe, and it could be a cool cinematic universe if they give the screenwriter, like, find a new screenwriter, um, or give him more than like ooh. ten minutes to be like, right. okay, just something with Char- Charlie's there. Yeah, yeah. Or build build the world a little bit because no offense, you know, I'm I'm glad people are working in any creative aspect, but uh. Some of what you describe sounds a little bit like a 4.35 p.m. on a Friday mm. meeting, you know? Yeah. Like, There's definitely some of that. Um, someone's like, hey, does does he ever dismember them or cut their heads that's off? That's why you and need, like, how, where was the nerd, the resident nerd, <laughs> geek person to hold it down for all geekdom and nerdum to be like, uh, how the fuck do they die? How See, can, then someone should just be like, oh, well, then I could just put them in concrete. There's your script right there. Boom, done, huh? I feel like, like too much of pitching in Hollywood, this is a theory I'm coming up with on the spot, but I feel I like it. too much of being a screenwriter, a successful screenwriter, 
is being good in a room. Like you have yeah. to be able to be charismatic and pitch stuff, but that doesn't mean you're going to be good at in fact it like think about how <laughs> it's many a different skill set. <laughs> yeah. Think about how many yeah. people who are like brilliant nerds w- who would make like a script like this really sing, but like w- like can't be in a room with other people without, you know, uh soiling themselves. Um, I think about it all the time, man. It's like anytime <laughs> you see an interview with uh, uh, like tremendously talented writers that yeah. respect and stuff, I I'm not going to name names because I do mm-hmm. love these people and their work. But I so often I'll watch a, an interview on video or watch them, you know, interacting contemporaneously, and uh, and uh, then I have to think or extemporaneously rather, and then I have that moment where I go, oh shit. That's why you write it down, bro. You <laughs> right. just now got it. <laughs> right. Damn, yeah. that writing it down shit pays off, huh? <laughs> but also, like, think about, like, Quentin Tarantino. Like, in a room for 15 minutes, he's going to blow you away because he's just like, you know, just like <laughs> speaking a, a million miles a minute and, like, just hitting you with all the ideas. But there's probably, like, 90 Quentin Tarantinos who... First of all, aren't white men, <laughs> so that, that was all cut, blocked from the business for uh, most of history. But also, like, are awkward and like you know shit the right. bed when it's time to pitch, as opposed to just like, yo, like I just emailed you a great idea. Why do I need to come in and sit in front of you, like the jock from high school who well, like that, runs yeah, the studio? Like- the royal court, you know, of artisans, exactly. where it's like, yeah. I am the gatekeeper. Now bring me your wares so I may cast my gaze upon your putrid offerings and say, we'll get back to you. Yeah. You know, like it's, I think there's that, there is a feeling of like the court, you know, like yeah. where you're like, and then you will pitch to me. And even though I'm only in this job because I came from the marketing department and had some good like marketing ideas for mm-hmm. the launch of a film, I found myself in a development position. And now I'm like, Mm, this feels good, but I don't. I don't know the first thing. I mean, what do we do here? So yeah. real. Sounds like it'll do well. Charlize Theron. I like that. It's got enough yeah, of yeah. a plot to it. So. Yeah. So real. It's like it's like uh, the finish the pitch, and then somebody somebody kind of like turns around in their right. chair with their fingers, <laughs> right? Steepled, and they're like, steepling you know, their fingers, uh, right? Steeply their fingers. They go, you know, um, my cousin hmm. watched. Uh, Highlander three. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? I think we do Highlander. My uh, four year old <laughs> likes lizards. <laughs> right. I want a lizard with a Highlander. Let's go ahead and get. Uh, who's not dead? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Do we have him? <laughs> no. I think we need no, to update the wheel. We need to update the wheel. Say, yeah. Okay, we need to update the wheel. Spin That's it, lunch, it. everyone. Yeah, because it does feel like I don't. I remember in Blank Man that uh, fantastic comedy film with Damon Wayans and David Alan Greer. There was a moment where he works for this like hard copy type show, and the way they were writing their stories is a literal dartboard, which was like adjective, <laughs> verb, noun, and they're like mutant garbage men are exposing themselves. Like it was just like that sort of like sort of scattershot way of uh, making a news story that. So many times, I I think just with the way we look at a lot of these Netflix films, it's almost like they know this. It, it is sort of like there are certain pieces that we can interchange with anything. As long as like these two to three things are always consistent, then we know it'll be enough to lure someone in for the two minutes we need for the view. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. I'm still going to watch both of these, though. I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> you guys sold me. 
Oh, uh, off the Kiki Palmer ending, the how cool it is what she does to the boss at the end. I said yeah. boss, like which a video we still game. don't know. I don't the know. main bad guy. I don't know. I thought it was tight. I like now it. I probably no, I know. It. Yeah, ah, whatever. We we got yeah. we got time, you know. And also with the beauty of fast forward, I could just go to that part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Ben, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, I I need to obviously let you go to go watch the old guard and uh, fatal affair. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's the name of it. Yeah. Yep. Fatal Affair. I mean, that's so <laughs> close to Fatal Attraction. It's, I know. It's right? No wonder that you wrote <laughs> Fatal Attraction on your submarine miles. That's it was, it was Oh, I did? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was between Risky Attraction and, right. Right, and Fatal right. Affair. Right. How, yeah, about yeah. Infern- how about Infernal Affair? Wait, I think that's ooh, that's, that's already movie. something. Infernal yeah, affairs is internal affair. Yeah, it's the de- what the Departed is based on. Ben, yeah. pleasure having you. Where can people find you? Follow you? Hear you? Uh yeah. So, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. You can find uh, you can find not just me, but also the Daily Zeitgeist own Miles Gray and Jack O'Brien making an appearance on Ridiculous History. Uh, we may have even more of uh, more cameos in the future. That's a show about everything that uh, is ridiculous throughout human history. Spoiler, we're never going to run out of episodes on that one. <laughs> uh, you can also find me at Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, uh, which is all over the internet. Uh, you can find me personally as an individual on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Ben Bolin on Instagram in a burst of creativity. And I'm at Ben Bolin HSW on Twitter. Mm. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? I have been enjoying uh, the a, a tweet recently by our our colleague, you know, or you love her, Bridget Todd, yeah, Bridget yeah. Marie on Twitter. Yeah, and you guys probably may have already talked about this, but she came up with the um, she came up with a tweet I really loved about the passing of John Lewis. Yeah, that um, blew up on Reddit actually. Oh, did it? Yeah, okay. I'm not surprised. It was great, and it's, it seems like the kind of thing that uh, the man himself would really enjoy. Uh, he, he, I didn't know this for a long time, but uh, later in life he went into Comic Con cosplayed as himself during the civil rights era yeah. and and led children on a march and i just thought that was beautiful so i like that tweet and it was you know i tried to do the right thing and not pick a, a dick joke for this tweet hey so that that was not the right thing but it was a good tweet that you picked so um <laughs> we right. we do appreciate dick jokes uh miles where can people find you and follow you Yes. Oh, before we get to that, uh, I do want to mention uh, the No Ban Act, which will be voted uh, on the House floor on Wednesday. Uh, this is going to essentially uh, repeal the in- the entire administration's Muslim travel ban and also keep uh, other travel bans from taking place that are based on race or religion. Uh, if you know, if you can, please leave a message, email uh, your representatives and let them know that you want them to support this act because we are, we are, we're fighting on so many dimensions right now. Uh, this is a little bit you can do that can go a long way. Now, if you want to find me, uh, Twitter and Instagram, Miles of Grey, also my, my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, where we talk about 90 Day Fiance. Uh, let's see. Uh, a tweet that I like. 
Uh, okay, this is from at Oki Cory, C-O-R-R-I. It says, I personally think Cinderella should have lived a happily a happy life with all her animal friends rather than settle for a man who had to try on a shoe because he didn't recognize her without makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! That is amazing. That like that is <laughs> we always talk about how dumb it is that like we can't people couldn't tell Superman and Clark Kent are the same person despite glasses. Cinderella is the same person. She's just yeah. got an updo versus her hair down. Damning well. indictment. Damning indictment of the patriarchy. Uh, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Uh, tweet I've been enjoying from Zach Fox. He tweeted, moaning during sex is primitive. Both people should just say, bruh, at a gradually increasing volume. <laughs> <laughs> bruh. 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 <laughs> uh, oh, so we get the falcon in there. Bruh. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at the Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, Footnote. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song We Ride Out on Miles. What are we going to ride out on today? Look, I just like a good cover, and I like a cover that takes a song sort of like in another direction. This is a track from, uh, I believe he's a Dutch artist, he's from Amsterdam, uh, named Benny Sings, and it's a cover of Passion Fruit from Drizzy, but it's like, it, the, the beat is already kind of corny, obviously, right. but this guy really kind of takes it to like almost like Animal Crossing soundtrack level, like flipping it to Animal uh, to a Passion Fruit. So it's just a fun little uh, way to sort of get your shoulders going, and it's not too intense. It just feels like a nice, soothing uh, salve for your ears. Mm. Uh, all right. Well, we are going to ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Seeing you got ritualistic Cleansing my soul of addiction for now Cause I'm falling apart Oh yeah Tension Between us just like big fences You've got issues that I won't mention for now Cause we're falling apart